1: Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. My name
2: is Mel. I'm Helen. And I'm Janet.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Asian Boss Girl. Today, we are going to continue with our office hours. You got our TAs. Helen here, Janet,
1: <laughs> and I'm T.A. Mel. Yes,
3: and we kind of just went through our intros earlier with that, so hello again. <laughs> but now we are in the form of your T.A.s. So we had a bunch of questions come in, and we didn't finish answering all of your questions earlier in our last episode, so we're going to do that today. We're going to start off with T.A. Janet. What is T.A. teacher's assistant? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just to make, make sure that's Ta-ta. clear. Tata. Tata Janet. <laughs> Okay, so the first question goes to Ms. Janet. So question for you, and this is related to what you've shared about your egg freezing journey mm-hmm. and a potential scenario in your future. And this is a, this is a hard question to start with. <laughs> Would you choose to be a solo mom if you don't find a partner?
2: Wow, well, this is a uh, – let's get personal real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I actually had this question come up quite a bit in the last like couple of months while I was going through the egg freezing process. A lot of the friends and family I talked to this was you know one of the questions they would ask me and honestly for the longest time I was like no um, I don't like I have seen how much work a kid can be through my cousins and my close friends having kids recently and I just don't think that I could do that on my own. However. As early as just in the last couple of weeks, like kind of around the time of my birthday, I turned 37, um, I suddenly became kind of like more open to the idea. Uh, Not now. If I... I I don't feel prepared at this moment in my life to to be a solo mom, but I can now see the possibility of wanting to be a mother enough and wanting to have my own children enough and if I don't have a partner, that I would consider that an option. And only because as I was having these conversations about egg freezing with my like my family, my parents, my sister, my cousins, they all kind of were very supportive in a way like, you know, in the future, if you ever do want to have kids and you don't have a partner, you know that you have a support system. Like, we are all very close by. They have kids that, if, I, if this happened for me in the next five years, would be around my kid's age. So I think only because of that where I felt like practically it would be more possible. Then um, mm. I did consider it. I think it's really cool that you kind of change your decision because I think we all know
1: how close you are with your cousins, and you guys really truly feel like a village. Yeah. Um, you guys are so close, so I, I could see. I think it's really sweet how understanding and very supportive they are of this decision if you choose to choose to take it. Yeah, thank you. Mm.
3: Exciting stuff.
1: I know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next question is directed at teacher assistant Helen. Mm ta Helen. <laughs> Tata Helen. What is your advice to young staff in a corporate job who realizes it's not their thing?
3: Okay, well, thinking back to when I was in corporate, there were definitely days where, as a young staff, I was very much questioning how much of a right fit the corporate life was for me. And I think a lot of people go through this thought process, too. It's like, do you love your job? I loved having a new purpose. I loved working for a big company and feeling like I had all the resources available to me, all these different offices around the world. I love the steady paycheck and I love the speed actually at which I was learning. I love the challenge of all of it. But what I did not love was the feeling of being talked over in meetings sometimes, really having to elbow my way through so many conversations and Feeling also very much used by some managers because they needed someone who was a good workhorse. And then all of the microaggressions that we've heard about many times and we've talked about many times on this podcast as well. And many of those times, I assumed that it was my fault that those microaggressions were happening to me or I didn't, even, I wasn't even able to identify them as microaggressions, right? And later on realizing that it was more a factor of institutionalized discrimination. So for me, I ended up staying at my job for almost 10 years because during that period of my life and especially as a child of immigrants who was taught the value of hard work and a dollar, I did value financial stability and I needed that stability in my life and I valued the challenge and learning And so those values of mine overshadowed the negatives that I mentioned. So I think the easy answer to someone here who's saying like, you know, I'm just starting in corporate, having a difficult time, and I realize it's just not my thing, I would challenge you to um, just ask yourself, why did you want that job in the first place? Does this job actually fulfill those things that you needed? And could you switch teams and work in a different team within the same firm rather than picking up everything and leaving because your current situation is not ideal. And if you've sort of exhausted the potential of changing up your current situation at work, then you can ask yourself, you know, is another job going to provide you with what your job currently doesn't give you? Perhaps it's in a better environment or with better employees. And I feel like it's also a very guttural like feeling. It's like if you feel in your gut that the answer is a resounding yes, then start looking update your resume, start applying online, start interviewing. It doesn't hurt to just put yourself out there again to see what's available. Um, but I would suggest maybe looking at all of your options within the same company first. And if it's really not right, then exit. Yeah. Mm.
2: I definitely I resonate a lot with your answer, um, and also with this uh with this listener. I definitely found myself in that situation as a young staff member disliking my corporate job um, and I think Helen's advice about really thinking through why you don't mm-hmm. like it and then seeing if there's any way you can change your current situation without just like completely going to another company or quitting is um, is kind of the best start forward. Um, and also sometimes a lot of the... Disconnect happens in the beginning because it's really a big shift to go from being a student to being a full-time employee and a worker. Mm-hmm. So give mm-hmm, yourself yeah. a little bit of time to figure out if it's really for you or not. Agreed. Mm-hmm. The next question is for Mel. Mel, how did you build confidence for dating? This is one of our favorite Ooh. topics. Are you confident in dating? Yeah, are you?
3: You know. One to ten. How confident honestly, are you?
1: Probably like a seven or eight, to oh, be honest. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. 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 So how'd you get there? I'll share with you (laughs) why. Okay, I'll share why. So I'll be honest and say, before any date, I am always nervous. I'm always texting you both. I'm just, like, freaking out a little bit. It's because you just don't know what to expect. It's always, like, the unknown. That's where my anticipation really comes from. But, you know, reflecting back as why my answer is a seven or eight, I will say that when you're, like, happy with yourself and, like, who you are as a person, you don't feel as, as if you need this date. And it kind of like, you're like, you know what, I could go, I could choose not to go. It's kind of that feeling, which is really nice. And it kind of like, when you have that feeling, it does alleviate this pressure of like, and the stress of like, oh my God, this has to work out well. This has to be the person. Because it really doesn't have to be. Um, Because I think before, like, you would go on dates and think about like, what if this person doesn't like me? What if the date sucks? Um, I don't know. I feel like those kind of thoughts are just really they're really draining to have. And I feel like once you build your confidence up, you won't have those thoughts anymore. I think for me, when you're comfortable being alone and enjoy your own company, the thought of going on a date with someone else, it feels like, I don't know, it just feels like an option versus like a, or, uh, versus a need. Because you're like, well, I kind of just want to be at home by myself. Do I really want to go on this date with this person? And you start evaluating like, well, do I have a good conversation with him? Like there's less I feel like you're evaluating the potential of the dating a little bit more differently when you actually like quote unquote need to go on this date. Um, I think an activity that I would recommend to anyone that wants to build confidence for dating or just build up confidence for being by themselves or a sense of independence is to take yourself on a date first. Like, Treat yourself out to a dinner. Go to a restaurant you always wanted to try. Go watch a movie by yourself. And do things that you know for yourself you'd feel really happy. Because after afterwards, you'll feel like, wow, I I was able to be alone and feel totally comfortable and feel really accomplished. Um, so yeah, that's something I would recommend to
2: anyone. Yeah, and I think we've definitely seen Mel through the trajectory of your dating. Um, when you got to a place where you were more comfortable with yourself and more confident in yourself – it felt like you were having more fun on dates whereas before i remember you being a lot more nervous and then the in the the last year or so i feel like dates you've gone on you've been able to be like you know what i see myself as an equal to this person versus like i need to mm-hmm. win them over or something yeah switching back over to ta janet and this is a question
1: you know i would love to ask how do you feel about the fuck boys versus the serious guys oh
2: the fuck boys they were a topic that we talked about in the very beginning of this podcast, and now they're making a reappearance. Um, it's hard to not talk about fuckboys when we talk about dating, right? And especially mm-hmm. now that uh, the three of us are in a part of, point in our lives where, you know, we're looking for serious relationships. I think what can be really challenging about distinguishing a fuckboy from a guy who is serious is the fact that oftentimes guys might think they're serious, And when they're really not ready, and then they end up exhibiting fuckboy behavior without intending to and without knowing that they're going to. So it can be really hard, (laughs) I think, to to figure out. Like, it's not just like that person knows that they're going to be a fuckboy. Um, But we recently had dinner with Spotify and met a couple of other podcasters. And at dinner, there was one woman who hosts a show about dating. And I remember Mel was asking her um, a question around how do you know, like how can you kind of figure out if a guy is serious, right? Like how do you know if he's a fuckboy or if he's serious or how do you know if you're being love-bombed if he's like all over and saying, promising all these things? She says the one thing you should ask yourself is do their actions match their words? So is there a follow-through with what they're saying and what they're promising you? And I, I think that's probably the best way to evaluate Um, initially if a person is serious or if they're fooling around Um, so hopefully that that's that's something to kind of think about but when you're evaluating that it does kind of take a little bit of time so you can't really evaluate it's hard to evaluate on the first date you kind of need maybe two dates or at least like two weeks of texting to have time to see them make a promise and then whether they keep it or not
3: Mm. Mm -hmm. interesting follow-through is very important and that goes not just for the guys but the gals as well
2: yes very very true Mm -hmm. next question back to ta helen what do you miss most about boston oh my gosh so much so much actually
3: like even just like hearing that i'm like oh i miss boston i miss the quaintness of the city it's just so easy to get around anywhere and everywhere and when you live in a smaller city it feels more homey because you know the city like the back of your hand i remember i didn't even use a gps to get around so much because there's only like three highways that run through the city and because it's relatively small at least compared to la you would very frequently run into friends and just end up having spontaneous hangouts or catch-up sessions Mm -hmm. and a community was just like so tight knit. Why are you laughing, Mel? No, no.
1: Helen's very true because, speaking of spontaneous like hangouts, I just remember because. The day of your engagement, yeah. you ran into your freaking cousin. And it was like, oh, we're gonna grab lunch together. I was like, no, we're not. We
3: have to go get you engaged right now. <laughs> but, like, is that like, that's like maybe a, a common occurrence That's a perfect in example. Exactly. Yeah. We were, Mel and Janet were trying to coordinate with Philip to surprise me for my engagement. And after my dentist appointment, we were in Copley and walking around Newberry Street. And Mel and Janet were shopping on Newberry Street. So I walked down to go find them and I ran into my cousin who was picking up her wedding dress. And then she joined us for lunch and could have just ruined the whole thing because she was like, oh, I don't want to go back to our old apartment. Like, why? Let's just go to lunch or whatever. And Mel and Jenna were like, no, we should go. (laughs) We should go. And I was like, very excited to show them. So I ended up stopping anyway. Bye. And then the engagement happened in the backyard of my childhood home. Um, But yeah, perfect example. You just run into people all the time and it's like so nice, right? It's like, oh, hey, what's up? A quick catch up. Um, What I also love about the city of Boston is it's obviously a very big sports city. So there's this like unspoken unity amongst everyone there. And you kind of feel it too when like a third of the population is wearing Boston sports jerseys and clothes, which is not the most aesthetically appealing, but <laughs> you just feel in the sense of like community, mm. you know? Mm. Um, I also miss how beautiful Boston is, especially with all the parks and bodies of water and greenery. And with the weather, the changes of color during the fall, the vibrancy of spring and the beauty of like a quiet snowstorm. Weather really does incite emotion. Mm. And it's emotion mm. that I don't think you get much of here in L.A., so I do miss weather in Boston. Um, and lastly, I just miss the people. I miss my grandma, my parents, my home friends. All of those things I miss the most about Boston. Mainly people and places. Yeah. Dang. You
1: make Boston sound so charming. <laughs> I will say, though, after, after becoming friends and we got to visit Boston with you and, like, kind of walk around, I was like, Damn. Boston definitely is, like, high on my list yeah. now. It's just,
2: like, a really beautiful place. There's a lot of charm to miss, for sure. Mm-hmm.
3: Charm is a good... Charm is a good word to describe mm-hmm. Boston. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: All right, Ms. T.A. Mel. Resources on social media management and advice to get into the industry with no experience. Ooh, this is a tough one. Okay,
1: the first thing I will say is start following Instagram accounts you like and find yourself gravitating towards. And then note the things you like about the accounts. Is it their aesthetic? Is it their captioning? Is it their designs? Like you're like, wow, the designer? Like this post looks just freaking beautiful. All of these are great things to know so you can understand branding a bit more. The second thing I would say to do is experiment with your own account or start a new one to play around with these findings, you know? See what works and what doesn't work too. Sometimes I really see social media as like different experiments, you know, like, Oh, I want to see what this does when I post this. It's kind of like, kind of like look at the results. Uh, That's my only science vibe of me. (laughs) Um, I think starting an Instagram account or applying the things you find to your own Instagram is helpful because if you don't have the experience, this becomes your sample. You can share if you choose to apply for jobs or, um, you know, one apply for just nonprofit work in general, um, jobs just love seeing samples that you worked on. It could be either for fun or for a company. So I don't think you necessarily need to have like corporate or like very, like, I guess like formal social media experience to land a job. I think if you're really creative and are playing around on your free time, that shows a lot of like proactiveness and just your own creativity that people love to see. The last thing I would say that, um, I personally like is just to research. There's so many resources I go to to read about trends, uh, because again, social media is constantly changing and evolving. So one site that I go on sometimes is called Sprout Social. Um, they just share a bunch of things from like TikTok to like, oh, what are, how's e-commerce using Instagram right now to like make a lot of money or things like that. Um, because it also, another thing is learning about the tools your platforms are coming out with. For example, I think a few years ago, Instagram reels were not a thing. So learning how. Learning that, oh, Instagram's coming out with reels. Oh, Instagram is also coming out with this thing called collab post to really emphasize like cross promotion. So things like that can be really beneficial when you start kind of branching out to social media.
3: Mm, very, very good tips there. I also, yeah, I feel like even when we do interviews for ABG um, with like the social media person. I feel like we always ask for their body of work and if someone hasn't had experience social media, even them sending us like, oh, this is my like side project, passion project. Here's like just an mm-hmm. Instagram. Like, this is my Instagram account. This is how I curate things. That's already a good portfolio of work, even if it's not for someone who is like an official company or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. you can still capture your talents in that way. So good advice there. So next question is for T.A. Janet. What is the best tip for landing your first UX job after finishing a boot camp? Not a Barry's boot camp. I'm assuming this is a UX boot camp. (laughs) Different kind of boot camp.
2: (laughs) Um, Wow. Okay. This is a good question because I think people Mm -hmm. always, whenever, whether it's getting a first job out of college or career switching, getting a first job, that first job is always the most nerve-wracking to get because you have no previous work experience and this is you crossing your fingers being like please someone someone hire me um if you're taking a boot camp i would suggest that you actually start the job search process before the boot camp even ends Most of the time, uh, boot camps are taught by instructors who are also working at companies or agencies while they're teaching or have very recently worked at companies and still maintain contact. So while you're, you know, having the teachers come in and while you're taking the course, really start developing a relationship with them. Um, And when it comes near the end of the course, then you can, you know, you can kind of, Ask them if they're hiring and if they're not, ask them if they know others who might be hiring and can connect you. So I would say the best way to land your first UX job is to really use the resources that you have available, which first and foremost starts with just the instructors of the course. That's really good advice. I actually think this is a really good question. I have so many friends actually
1: even now are transitioning into UX and starting boot camps.
2: UX is a great career and a lot of people who go into it are career transitioning. Um, And I think boot camps in general for all different types of uh, roles are now becoming really popular. So yeah, if you're out there and you're taking a boot camp, um, I wish you the best of luck on landing that first job. Don't get discouraged if it takes a while. It took me a couple of months after. So um, yeah, hang in there and use your resources. our next question is for Helen. And these
1: are some things for, you know, our future mamas to note our future parents. What are your favorite baby
3: or pregnancy products? I get this question asked so many times. I feel like I need to make a list and just share it as like a highlight on my stories but okay i'll share three and then one thing i would not buy again Mm. so currently my top favorite baby products are the wabi sterilizer and dryer it's a great product for drying and sterilizing your bottles it's kind of large so you'll, you'll need a space to put it but compared to like boiling water to wash and sanitize your bottles and having a full drying rack system with all like the little trees and things like that to dry your bottles and nipples on your countertop i would totally recommend getting the wabi sterilizer and dryer I, I also think about how like after i'm done with this whole bottle feeding process i'm like what am i going to do with this but i guess you could also use it to sterilize things like your phone toys and, and things like that mm. um mm. but otherwise i'll probably give it away after because it is quite a large device um mel got really excited there <laughs> <laughs> The second thing I would recommend is the Newton Baby Mattress. I did a partnership with them and 10 out of 10 would recommend this mattress. Sometimes I look at my baby monitor and my baby's face is like in the mattress and I'm like, Bro, can you breathe over there? (laughs) And I know the mattress is completely breathable because I've straight up put my face flat on it and breathe through it just to (laughs) check to make sure that their marketing was correct. And it works well. So definitely recommend that one for just like a peace of mind as your baby learns to sleep in his or her own crib independently. That is a good one. And the last thing that I would recommend is the Baby Little Kiwi Glider Rocking Chair. I love that chair in a cream color. It is so cute. I haven't had any issues with it, and it's just like our cozy little snuggle area because that's where I feed him and I read to mm. him. Um, and it's wide enough for me to be able to like scoot over, and he kind of just like sits next to me, like cozily in my arms. So that is a chair that I love and would buy again. Um, mm. So those are three things for now that I would recommend um, buying. And the one thing I would not buy again is this biaba baby steamer or food processor that was like $300. It's kind of convenient to have on your kitchen counter because it's small and baby sized and all you have to do is add water, press a button to steam your stuff and it stops steaming automatically so you don't have to you don't oversteam your food if you forget about it. But it's not designed that well for a $300 product and I think it's mm. it's not that much more inconvenient to just use a pot of water and a timer and just boil water and steam your stuff, you know. So I mean That is one thing I probably would not recommend, even though a lot of people recommended it to me. Um, Maybe I'm just not using it right. I don't know. But I mean, no one asked me, but that's something I personally just wouldn't recommend. (laughs) People are like,
2: what are your favorite baby products? I'm like, here's one that's not my favorite. (laughs) Well, I think that's actually much more useful because a lot of people have favorites, but it's like, to your point, if a lot of people recommended it, but when you put it to use, maybe it's not worth the value of that. Right. Mm -hmm. I love these tips. Sorry, I literally Googled every single thing. And uh, the sterilizer actually is really cool. I remember seeing that, like, when I walked into your kitchen. I was like, oh, it looks almost like a space shuttle or, like, a spacecraft type uh, tool type. Yeah, Yeah, it's, like, white, so it
3: blends in with everything. Mm -hmm. It's not – it's just a large device to have on your kitchen counter. Yeah. I like the chair. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, you love the chair. Didn't you fall asleep in it last week? (laughs) I was
1: trying to nap on it, but the chair feels like a first-class seat. Like, I was like – Cause I we're, we're over, and then Helen's like, "You want to take a nap? We should go to the nursery." And I was like, "Okay." And she goes, "Press that button." I was like, "Okay." And I was reclined back, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> this, this is so comfortable! Like legit, you could fall asleep on that chair." Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's beautiful too. So, mm-hmm. adding it to my my yeah, that's a good purchase
3: that I won't I won't I won't tap into for a couple years. <laughs> I'll have a lot of things to give away in a couple years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Very excited. All right. Next question from Mel. Mel, how do you motivate yourself to continue to be physically active?
1: Mm. That's, that's really funny. This question would never have been asked to me a few years ago. Yeah. A couple of things. I felt the first one. I honestly love the feeling of hitting a goal. I think everyone does. It's just like, damn. Like for me, mm. a goal is like just completing a class for Orange Cherry. There are some times when I go into the class and I, and I literally I'm on the road. I'm just like... Well, what if I'd left? Like, what if I just, what if I just leave? Um, so even just completing class is, like, a huge accomplishment for me. I think for Orange Tree, why it works is because there's, like, it's, it feels gamified. So, like, for me, hitting my splat points, which is, like, 12 points minimum every class, I feel very, like, yes, I did it. Like, I feel very accomplished. Um, the second thing everyone knows, endorphins feel amazing. Like, after a class, I feel like I'm on a freaking high. I'm like yeah I feel so good um (laughs) and the last thing honestly is now it's actually been five months I've been going to Orange Theory I can actually I know I'm like what I thought it was like three months but I could see some changes and it's just like nice like I think Mm -hmm. mostly the change I feel is that I actually feel much stronger like I'm like Mm -hmm. one time I was in a meeting with Ashley and I was like stretching and she's like oh my god you're so buff I was like me what (laughs) and like when i flex now like right now i'm flexing i touch my shoulders or my arms they feel like really hard and i was like "Mm, dang they're hard and it's just i don't know (laughs) and i think one thing i'm uh constantly reminding myself is that for me stronger doesn't necessarily mean skinnier so, uh, I think one thing I've been telling myself and noticing is that actually when I go to class, I see so many different types of people with different body types that are working really hard and they're making progress in their own way, and I think that's really amazing. And understanding that my body is like physically built a certain way, like I have my mom's jeans, I have my grandma's jeans, you know, we're we're a pair body type. And I think it's really easy to get, like, lost in social media and say, like, Kendall Jenner and, like, Gigi Hadid and be like, damn, I wish I had their body. Like, I still think that way sometimes. But I think learning to appreciate that the reality of it is my body is just built this way. You know, I I'm built this way. And so given that, I'm able to appreciate, like, my body a bit more and use that mentality to still set realistic goals for myself, which is... I want to feel stronger i like feeling like my arms are getting like harder like like there might be a little bigger but like i feel great like look at my back i was like sometimes i'll flex and like feel my try or my uh tricep triceratops <laughs> one, of the muscles. one of them one of them i just i don't know tri- one what, what of those <laughs> things but i don't know i never thought i wanted to feel strong before that wasn't a goal mm-hmm. of mine and i was like i feel strong and i like that so my current yeah. goal is to start moving myself over to becoming more of a jogger instead of a walker. So there's different types of like, um, on Orange Theory, you could be like a jogger. No, it could be a walker, jogger, or a sprinter, or a runner. And I've always been on the walking, so I'm just like, oh, fuck this, don't walk. Um, (laughs) But I was like, you know, I'm finding myself spending more time running than I am walking now. And I'm just like, ooh, I hated running, like totally, in high school. So I'm like, I'm trying to move myself over. And one thing I'm also doing now is... Like I do weightlifting classes sometimes and like I'm focusing more on my form and getting the reps in versus being like, oh shit, the person next to me just did like, she's already on the next, the next routine. I'm so behind and feeling that rush of like, oh shit, I'm like so behind. I'm like, no, I'm going to take my time and really feel every muscle like contracting to make sure I'm getting the right rep in. So those are some things I'm, you know, setting for myself and it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's nice. So that's how I motivate
3: myself. Ah, I love that. That's such a such a different Mel. I, who are you? I don't I know. It's amazing.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I love that. Yeah, it's actually been super rewarding. because um, I I've, I attend. I've attended a handful of classes with Mel and to see her, um, it's not that, like you said, it's not the physical process. I love seeing the change in your mentality because it's visible before it's like you would get kind of like, you know, you would get down on yourself or something like that. But now I feel like I'm looking over more and we're like smiling, <laughs> and so <Aww. laughs> smiling and laughing. So I love that you're, that there's that shift for you mentally more important than physically and that you've discovered a new like um, strength like literally right in, in terms of like being able to get stronger so yay thank you alright so the next set of questions here is for ABG which is for all
3: three of us the first one asks do you always listen to your episodes in full after recording
2: for this question uh, for I don't know how many episodes are we at now 180 something 190 190 I would say yes I've listened to <laughs> <laughs> I think almost all of them if if there's one that I skipped I think it might have been only one or two uh when I was out and if, if those episodes I didn't listen to Mel or Helen did so yeah we always Q uh QA quality issue or like <laughs> quality control QC our episodes before they go out ditto not the Pokemon <laughs> ditto
3: <Yeah. laughs> Oh, this is a fun question. What did y'all do for your 30th birthday? Okay, so for my birthday, oh, I love this one. We had an epic trip to Mexico. We did a Cabo trip and stayed at the Marquise, which was an all-inclusive res- resort. restaurant, <laughs> All-inclusive resort. And it was just so fun. Like, core memories were formed on this trip. We played freaking hide-and-seek in the dark in one person's hotel room with, like, so like six seven people in there mm-hmm. and it was just like the funniest shit ever because it was pitch dark but people were like hiding flat up against the wall standing on the nightstands hiding behind the lamp so that if someone was like looking around they just felt the lamp and hopefully not the people's feet but it's like if people were hiding underneath this like trunk thing and and just like getting very creative with it you wouldn't expect hide and seek to be fun in your 30s but it's just hilarious when you have the right right people. Mm. Um, we also went into the city and went club hopping with a tour guide. And we played this one game oh where it was me and this one other girl. And we were both given a bottle of alcohol. We had to run around the whole bar and find people and just pour drinks in their mouths. And whoever finished the bottle first won. <laughs> and, of course, I won. And it was just, like, that was so, so freaking fun. I think you ladies were trying to hide from me, but I found y'all. <laughs> we also had, like, a lot of ceviche and fries and every night we would just order a massive amount of room service and it was just such a good memorable perfect 30th birthday trip in my opinion and like no drama too which was great
2: yeah, Mexico is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I feel like the views on that trip and the food was really good too. I Still remember that Caesar yeah. salad. <laughs> yeah, actually, I remember bar
1: hopping a lot. It was like I think the, I actually count. I can This is when I was on Snapchat. I still have a video of like you guys floating in this like water thing, like from one of the bars. Mm. And then yeah, I think yeah. went to like seven bars that night, and I was like,
2: dude, it's crazy. Yeah, it was a pretty intense night. It was. It was a lot yeah. of fun. And
3: every bar we had shots ready for us. So, <laughs> yikes about for you, Janet. What did
2: you do for your 30th? For my 30th, um, at the time I was living in the Arts District in Mm. downtown LA. And I think this is before we got to know each other. Um, Mm. So I had, and I was kind of more newish to LA as well. Um, I had basically a small group of friends over to my apartment in the Arts District, uh, including my sister and her boyfriend who drove up from Orange County and some of her high school friends who were living in LA at the time. And You're probably, you're going to be like, this is so Janet. Uh, We ordered Cafe Gratitude (laughs) (laughs) because I lived right across from the Cafe Gratitude there. Uh, And then we just went to the rooftop and we ate dinner and we had some wine. um, And then afterwards we went bar hopping in downtown. So I think there was tequila involved and don't remember much more of the rest of the (laughs) night, but I had a good time. That sounds really Janet. It is. Yeah. Super chill. Uh, Cafe Gratitude food. Arts District, all my jams. I'm over here. Um, I'm over here thinking like, who were your friends before us? <laughs> <laughs> it was a couple of closer like high school friends, um, and and my sister and her friends, yeah. But how about you, Mel? What did you do for your thirtieth? Well, I'm sure you both know what I did for my thirtieth
1: because <laughs> you guys planned it. Um, they they're so sweet. They literally bought this Airbnb and like had me like I got a staycation that Helen and Janet planned. And it was super, it was super intimate. And they invited our close friends and they were able to even like uh, zoom in my friends from the Bay Area that couldn't come. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Also, they freaking got amazing Thai takeout from of my favorite places in Thai town, Ord, which is so yummy. It was just, like, a really nice moment to, like, have see all my close friends, like, in this one table. And they decorated it so nicely. I think they even got, like, a helium take or something. Or they got something to blow up the balloons. They decorated. I got, like, a... I got a crown. I got a sash. And they, like... Even Helen got me this, like, wine club that said something about, like... Something about... Like, a, a meme kind of a saying that I still have. Um, it was really nice. I think... Oh, I also remember... Um, one of the funniest moments I still have on my phone is that we were all like just singing and trying to harmonize like nonstop that night. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, I think we got noise complaints though, but yeah, oh, we yeah. are not,
2: not very much in harmony. <laughs> it, was yeah,
1: not very yeah. harmonious. it was just, it was just like a lot of fun drinking, singing, just laughing. Like, and I just have a video of Phil, like, you no, know, doing the Mariah Carey, put you put like one finger against one ear and trying to hit the no. Yeah. <laughs> I have a bunch of that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was a really intimate moment. I really appreciate it. Because I think they're also you guys are really thoughtful of like what would what does Mel like? Oh, she likes lounging. And then they after the party the next day, they let me just they booked it for an extra night for me just to enjoy the place. And I think that was like really sweet. Mm-hmm. So it was very like very like detailed and very core to who I am. So that was my 30th birthday.
2: Uh, we had to welcome you into this decade in style. So <laughs> mm. And our last question, are there any certificate courses, free or paid, that you ladies took? Any recommendations? Any favorite self-help books? I took a
1: Skillshare course from Gary Vayner- Vaynerchuk mm. about social media, because I wanted to learn more. I thought it was interesting um, for me personally, but nothing crazy, because I'm already like learning through social. For self-help books, I will say I love Atomic Habits, um and X start with Y, and i've been recommended this book a lot but i never read it even though it's in my bookshelf but never eat alone
2: hmm.
1: i've heard of that one. by keith Ferrazzi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so something like that how about you guys
3: i feel like for me i've taken a few of those courses but never like a really extended version because i feel like they self-help books and um courses online like that they haven't been the most Maybe that's just not how I learn or like to absorb information. But the books that I like the most are the ones that are more memoir-based and books Mm -hmm. from people that I admire. And two books come to mind here. Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates. I didn't know how impassioned she was about gender equity, about finding her voice and advocating for women and girls, and also just how empathetic of a person that she is. But reading her story made me want to emulate parts of her life path. So during a time where I was just kind of like lost, I felt like reading about someone else's life and how they got to where they were gave me more direction with where I wanted to go with my own life as well. And another book that I love time and time again is Shoe Dog by Phil mm-hmm. Knight. Really getting an inside look into the grit and tenacity that it takes to build a company like Nike. And Phil Knight comes off as such a gentle, normal, relatable person that it makes me feel like I could achieve the most within my life as well. Like you don't have to be the super type A person in order to get to like the top of... Nike, you know? So I would say that more memoir-based books are the ones that I feel most inspired by in a self help way. Mm. Yeah.
2: Those are great. Um, I I like what you said about having, like, it depends on your learning style. Because I think for me, I have found that online courses don't work as well because it's harder to hold yourself accountable um, Mm -hmm. and in-person courses work better for me. So as I've shared a lot on the podcast, I did a full-time boot camp um, with General Assembly to transition into UX design and that was like a full-time 10-week program. I was going to class every day so I had a community of people to hold me accountable and projects to hold me accountable and it also did cost money. So it was an investment that really made me kind of stick with it through and through. The other time that I took courses were it was like a part-time user interface design class also with General Assembly and that was actually sponsored by my company um, because my company at the time had a small like continuing education fund set aside for each person. So um, once again it was part-time but I had to go in person after work so being held accountable and knowing that my company was sponsoring it was motivation to continue. Um, Like I said, I know like Coursera is really big, and all of this other online kind of courses, but it's harder for me to do that when it's just by myself. Mm. Um, but if you are someone that's like that, I think that they're great options. And YouTube is also a great resource. I know when the three of us were learning to edit, um, we would use YouTube tutorials for to figure out like random things in Premiere Pro. So it's mm-hmm, a good it's mm-hmm. a good resource. Um, in terms of personal development, I've also shared in the podcast that I did. Um, some different trainings for meditation. Uh, and so those were like kind of a combination of online courses and in person, uh, which is what I found that works best for me. Self-help books. I have two. One is I think probably one of the first self-help books that I ever read um, and really like Was like kind of it shifted the way I thought about work, and it's Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week. It's a book that is very applied; like he literally, like instruction step by step tells you things that you should do. And even though a lot of his suggestions are a little extreme and probably not the most realistic to implement, it helped me start to think outside of the box, which I think is really important if you find that the typical nine to five work structure isn't for you, or if you want an alternative. Um, The second book self-help book that I really enjoyed I read over quarantine was 101 essays that will change the way you think this one is less applied and much more um inspiration focused and it's each essay is very bite-sized it's a couple of pages so it's also very easy to read like over time you don't have to you there's no like storyline you have to follow um and they're just you know bite-sized pieces of inspiration so kind of like helen you're saying reading about other people's lives and what they've achieved help kind of inspire you i found that book to be very helpful too mm. helen's been talking about
1: shootout for the longest time i really should read that book and then the 101 is it 101 or 1001
2: uh, 101 essays oh, that'd be a lot of <laughs> <essays>. <laughs> 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 those two
1: books you guys mentioned are actually on my list now so thank you for the recommendations Going to
3: add 1,001. I mean, 101
2: (gasps) to mine. I'm going to add Shoe Dog to mine.
3: (laughs) Or I'll read it 10 times.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We always love getting to interact with our listeners um, with these question and answer type formats. We thought we'd change it up a bit this time with the office hours theme. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and you want us to do more, maybe leave a, I don't know, pencil emoji? for student <laughs> in oh, the yeah. in the comment section or an, of this, or an apple or an apple an apple oh, or an a apple. pencil um, emoji in the comment section of our instagram post if you don't already please follow us on spotify subscribe
0: to
3: us on apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review and share this episode with your friends you can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support or
2: get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com if you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at Asian If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree and our link in bio and click
1: on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this
2: one. And with that, we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye! Bye.